G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. The village folk put on this huge feast in, in honour of my wife and myself. And while they, that feast was on, it was uh, May 2000, and uh, the guys were all um, running out listening to Transistor Radio. And at that particular time, the, the coup happened when um, a civilian-led coup, uh, led by George Bates, uh, they took over the control of the parliament. The Story. The story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Today, we have two international ones for you. We'll begin with Trevor Spinks from Smithton in Tasmania. Trevor has a heart for Fiji, and not just because he loves going there and lying on the beach. He's actually been going there to visit the prisons and to do ministry work. He'll explain how it all came about to Shelley Scullin. What was it that first gave you a heart for Fiji? Uh, what gave us a heart for Fiji? Um, yeah. let, let me go back uh, just a little bit. In 1988, uh, there was a Fijian uh, guy came to our town and attended uh, a Bible st- school, um, the GLO school in Smithton. And mm-hmm. during that year, uh, he was assigned to our family to look after him. So theoretically, um, we, uh, for want of a better term, adopted him. And uh, he used to come to our home each Wednesday night and each weekend, you know, when he wasn't studying. But when he went back in 1989, he uh, invited us to come over, and uh, we did that. Nice. And uh, subsequently, we uh, we went and just had a look at the island for two trips. And then in doing that, we met a lot of his extended family, and um, then we began to uh, travel to a lot of the remote parts of the island to um, catch up with his, um, his mainly his sisters. First trip, of course, we stayed in hotels, but then when we met his family, we went and stayed in uh, uh, particularly two quite isolated villages on Viti Lebu and uh, Tavuni. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we had two or three trips to uh, one of these isolated villages where we had to backpack in and... Uh, and carry our supplies and go over the rivers because there was no road into it at that point of time. Wow. But we established, particularly uh, my wife and I, established a very close relationship with these uh, some of his sisters and, the, and their families and the village folk. Mm, that's great. Is he then having a ministry there since he was in Australia for ministry training? Is he um, doing missions work there now? Uh, no, he's not. He's got a secular job, but he still is actively involved in one of the churches. He, he now lives in, in the capital of Suva. Right. Right. Well, what a special relationship you've been able to build uh, just because you took him up on your offer, on his yeah. offer. Yes, we, we, uh, he, he, whilst he's a, a guy of 50, he still calls his mum and dad, but that's fine. <laughs> and, uh, we've got, uh, we've got grandkids over there as well. Um, <laughs> uh, something rather interesting happened while we were staying in this very isolated village. It's called Nasovastover. It's uh, about an hour and a half in the mountains out of, uh, Lombasa. Um, we were staying there and, uh, and, and on one trip we noticed the river was just pure mud 
and uh, we asked what was wrong because the, the village folk used that river for their washing, they used it for their cooking, uh, for bathing, for everything. And they said it was uh, as a result of the logging that was happening upstream. Oh. So we said to them, what can we do to help you? Or they said, what, what can we do? So we said, find out. So they went to the government and, uh, and got a quote to put in a water scheme. Uh, so we came back home and raised some money through a local church and forwarded uh, their uh, uh, portionment of the, the scheme to the government and the government subsequently put in a fresh water scheme to their village. Wow. And that uh, that uh, little project has snowballed into the next village and other villages on that island. So that's been a little um, oh, worthwhile endeavour that we've pursued over the years. Yeah, what a great way to make an impact there where uh, obviously things would have been pretty bleak without that. Yeah, so I, I always think of the little old lady on two sticks that uh, got out of her bourree. That's their little house they live in and hobbled down to the river each day for a bath and then after the scheme was put in she's got a she's got a shower and a tap uh, right at her door so wow yeah it made a huge difference to their life yeah we're talking with trevor spinks he is involved in mission work in fiji how did you come to be involved in the prison there that's not usually a tourist attraction when you go to a country no no, it's not Shelley. but uh it was very interesting after we put the first uh scheme in and was finished and the government uh finished everything to satisfaction, we made a, a, vil- a visit to that village and the village folk put on a, um, a lobo, that's the, uh, the cooking the food underground, and they put on it this huge feast in, in honour of my wife and myself um, for for just to say thank you for going back and arranging some funds to do the project. And while they, that feast was on, it was uh, May 2000, and uh, the guys were all uh, running out listening to transistor radio. And at that particular time, the the coup happened when uh, when uh, a civilian-led uh, coup uh, led by George Bates, uh, they took over the uh, control of the parliament for so many days and um, overthrew the government. And uh, it was, I think, it was because of that it. Uh, it gave us an interest in what was happening in the in the prisons. Yes, very much so. So what was that like for you being there when that happened? Were you scared for your safety or was it more uh, reassuring? Uh, it was... Um, well, no impact. It was, it was very different in that when we came back to the, the major town, there was a lot of uh, military road checks and uh, people were very apprehensive as to what might happen next and we mm. were advised to... Uh, not to travel on to the next island uh, as we were planned to because they thought we may not get home for a while. So uh, we shortened our trip, I think, at that time and came home about a week too early. But we took a, uh, a very um, particular interest in uh, in the um, what has happened after that because um, uh, George Bate, the guy who uh, had led the coup with um, uh, army officers to assist him, um, after the... After the coup, uh, another government took over, and uh, and then um, uh, George and a lot of the uh, army officers were imprisoned. Uh, and I think it's because we were in at in the island at that time that uh, we, uh, we took a particular interest. Yeah, um, we never intended to, but um, we've got a close friend over there who was involved in prison ministry fellowship, and he said to us once one time. Uh, 
Trevor, if you're here on Wednesday, you're coming with me to, to go and visit George. And at that time, uh, the political prisoners were all held separately on an island called Nukalau. So we went over under armed guard and, um, and visited the, the guys there in that prison. I went uh, in, uh, with a bit of fear and trembling, but uh, uh, come away uh, with a very different attitude. What kind of different attitude? What changed in you? Well, when I went there and uh, visited George and some of the other guys, I found that, uh, that uh, they had, in fact, come to the Lord while they'd been in prison, and they were the most uh, uh, vibrant uh, Christians um, with a strong faith that uh, uh, probably I'd ever seen. Uh, I went there with the attitude of maybe I can uh, encourage uh, um, George, who had led the coup, uh, but I came away feeling very encouraged myself. And then um, after that, uh, the uh, nuclear was closed down as a as a prison, and the the guys on remand were transferred to one of the major prisons uh, close to the capital. Uh, following that time, we just every time we went over, we we kept going. My wife and I kept going and uh, visiting George and a few of the other guys um, because we'd established a rapport with them. George has made quite an amazing turnaround in his life. He's uh, committed himself to Christ and really going on for the Lord. He has. He's a, he's a very vibrant, very positive Christian. And uh, I said to him once, Shelley, uh, do you ever get depressed in here? And he said, no, this is, uh, that's a word we, we don't even use because uh, I believe we're in uh, God's embassy. Uh, that's what he calls the <laughs> prison embassy. at the moment. <laughs> Trevor, you obviously have that passion for the prison ministry there in Fiji. I guess you plan to continue to go back there every uh, so often and, and visit we, George and the guys there? Yeah, my wife, uh, Marion, and I, we uh, go every year, um, sometimes twice a year. We're due to go again shortly, and we always make it a point of uh, uh, visiting these guys. Uh, we've also established quite a relationship with some of the prison officers that look after them. Wow. Um, and uh, we'll certainly go back on our next trip. I think um, we had a bit of a debate a while ago as to how many trips we'd had. I thought we might have had 20, but when we counted the stamps and the passports, we'd had 28. So, Oh, wow. It's obviously a, a beautiful place to visit, but it's great that you can incorporate so much into those travels yeah, as well. it is a beautiful place. We've just established uh, many, many friends over the years, and uh, I think it's nothing, Shelley, that we set out to do. It's something that just happened. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, it, it's a God thing. You know, we've established uh, close relationships with a lot of couples and uh, it's no different there to what it is here. They uh, they get into uh, relationship difficulties sometimes and sometimes they just ask Mary and I to just to sit down and try and work things out and thankfully God has been able to use us to, to help in the, you know, the little things as well as the big things. Yeah. Wow. That's just awesome. Like you say, it's nothing that you particularly set out to do, but you were just there and available and obedient uh, to the yes. things that God sent you to do, and you didn't shy away from uh, these big well, we, tasks we, as well. Well, we made the first trip as a tourist trip yeah. with our uh, with our four children, and then uh, because we met all these people along the way, uh, things just evolved from one thing to the other. So. Uh, yeah. We've been pretty excited over the years, uh, you know, and just feel very privileged to be able to to help them in small ways. Thanks so much for your time this morning. Okay, well, great to talk to you.
That was Trevor Spinks from Smithton in Tasmania chatting about his heart for Fiji and the mission work he's been doing there. Next, we'll turn to Nepal and hear Pastor Rinzi Lama share his story and some of the challenges he faces doing ministry there. That's coming up when we return. The Story If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax. You're listening to The Story. Today, we're hearing two international stories. Before the break, we heard Trevor Spinks from Tasmania, who's been doing ministry work in Fiji. Now, we turn our focus to Kathmandu in Nepal. That's where Pastor Rinzi Lama is from. It's one of the poorest areas in Asia. Electricity is rationed, and clean drinking water can be difficult to get in places. This presents some unique challenges as he works to establish small churches in the mountainous regions of Nepal. He's chatting with Karen Hunt about how he was introduced to Christianity back in the 1970s. It was a very hard time during I became a Christian uh, because of, uh, our country was a monarchy. Mm-hmm. So therefore, uh, very hard for the Christian people at that time. My family parents, uh, brother and sister, and uh, for 15 years, I could not see one another, and uh, my other parents and uh, family saying to one of the son and brother, they died, no more in family. No. So therefore, we do not have connection one another for 15 years, but after 15 years, we are very much struggle, a lot of struggle. God has called me special way. Uh, God told me, go and evangelize in family. And I went, I born in the hilly area, mountain, yeah. and uh, in Buddhist family. So I went and um, I found my father was sick. Nobody knows me uh, because we haven't seen for 15 years. And then what happened, I told mom, can I pray? And mom is not happy to pray because their God may angry and may kill. Mm. So therefore, again, I request. Then after I pray, and God heal father within 10 minutes. That is the first miracle in mm. happening in family. Brilliant. Then after, uh, after uh, God has done so many things in, our, in my life, so uh, my mom accepted and uh, father accepted, my one brother accepted. At uh, present now, uh, we have eight brothers, six brothers accepted Lord uh-huh. as Shabir. And my parents uh, passed away in 1997, my father and 2012, my mother passed away. They are very good Christians. Uh, in 1994, we established a church. Mm-hmm. I did a theological college. Uh-huh. Uh, this is in Nepal. And then uh, I did a master of ministry. Uh, that is my theological background. Mm. But you have an evangelistic heart, don't you? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So when you started 
the church in 1994. Yeah. Uh, since then, you've actually established many churches in yeah, many parts yeah, of yeah, Nepal. Yeah, yeah. Tell us the story of your heart for a very small number of people yeah. in the Mugu district. You had to walk like five days yeah. to reach these people. Just I walked the five days by the grace of God. I went up to, you know, one of the city called uh, Nepalgansi. The Nepalgansi is the far west mm-hmm. Nepal. Uh, one hour, maybe uh, I can say one hour by plane from Kathmandu to Nepalgansi. Then after Nepalgansi, if I walk to Mugu, it will be take for 22 days mm. if I walk. But I went... Uh, flew from Nepal's guns to Jumla for 45 minutes. Then after I walked by faith for five days, I went to Western part Nepal. Sometimes it is hard to get the food in that area. It is very poor, very poor in remote area. And so were you with someone else on this particular journey? Yeah, yeah. With me, some evangelists. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Mugu, there is a few... Uh, very few number five or six people are there Christian people but they are they do not have fellowship so I went for encouragement for them because of they came uh, where I am living in Kathmandu mm-hmm. so they came and met and they told come and visit and encourage us so I went there and is this the type of thing that you do often uh, yeah yeah so you choose an area yeah, yeah, that's right. And you decide, this is where we're going, we're on a mission, off we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that is, we have to go. Because uh, my vision is to go to a remote area. Yeah. The Himalayan region and uh, among the Buddhist people. Yeah. So that is, uh, most of people, uh, Buddhist people live in, the, in a hilly area. So therefore, my vision is especially, you know, because of, I born in a Buddhist uh, family. Mm-hmm. So nowadays... Uh, we established many, many churches. I'm leading uh, actually now 51 churches at present. Wow. 51 churches in the eastern part and uh, western part, mainly in hilly region. So you must be a very fit man. You're literally following the scriptures where the Lord says, go to a place that I will show you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That actually I believe, you know. God has called me a special way to evangelize the poor people, the Buddhist people. So the remote area, it is amazing, you know. Sometimes we cannot find food. Sometimes we cannot get place where shit, you know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we sleep uh, open ground, mm-hmm. you know. It is hard, not easy, you know. We train uh, the people we call together one place and we given them instruction uh, every three months. Leadership training, mm-hmm. not long time, for three days. So training up people to expand the evangelistic outreach yeah, to yeah. the mountain people, specifically yeah, in Nepal? Really, no, uh, the mountain people. Also, we have Bible school, small Bible school. Yeah. Uh, we call the young people uh, to make the second line leadership in their churches. And so is is the Bible school in Kathmandu? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So apart from your own evangelistic work, your your training, your Bible school, 
Tell us about the orphanage that you've also established to help the children from these mountain areas. Yeah, wherever I go, I love the children, especially my wife. uh, uh, She has a very much heart for the poor children. But we want to be those who do not have parents. And uh, we like to very much bring them. So we started in 2003 uh, before uh, we do not have any plan uh, for the uh, orphan children home. Mm-hmm. 2002 we visited and uh, in hilly area um, working for uh, five and a half days with my wife. So we raised the mountain and uh, we showed the own boy and the boy is uh, alone and uh, uh, he has a grandmother, 65 old, and uh, he is alone and we asked who is this, oh, this is this, that, that, that. And um, uh, where is father? Father is died when mm-hmm. he was uh, in mother's womb and mothers married another one mm. because the mother is very young. So we, we are very pretty hard for him. And we call, uh, we, we request him about take to our home. That is the beginning, you know. And then after, you know, people heard, oh, that uh, boys take from our village to care of in Kathmandu. So then after what happened, the people come one by one. Oh, my children, they don't have the father and mother like that, you know. And they, they ask a request and we check and uh, we want to recognize whether father died or mm-hmm. mother died. And we went and check up. So then slowly, you know, children come after three months. There was five children. After one year, nine children come, you know. So that is still come, we could not stop when they come, and we are very pretty hard. So, how many kids do you have there now? So, once we have thirty-nine children. Wow. Three children already finished their class twelve. Three children went, and they are doing very good job in different areas. And we have still thirty-six children are with us. So my wife and myself care for them and do not have servant to care of them. So you and your wife, 36 kids, you head off every so often and go walking into the mountains, yeah, serving yeah. others far and wide. Yeah. God bless you, Pastor Inzi. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, this is by the grace of God. I'm really thank you for giving me this great opportunity to share our ministry. You are very welcome. God bless you, Pastor Rinzi. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. That was Pastor Rinzi Lama from Kathmandu in Nepal chatting with Karen Hunt about some of the challenges he's faced doing ministry in one of the poorest areas in Asia. Before that, we heard from Trevor Spinks from Tasmania, who's been serving the Lord in various ways in Fiji. It's quite remarkable how both of them have offered their time and service to the Lord, and it sounds like, from what we heard, they've both been greatly blessed. As the Bible says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Well, thanks for joining us for two inspiring stories. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. On Australia's Got Talent, I I dressed up as the mascot and I um, 
I sang Mustang Sally, which I thought was ironic, being the horse. Took my head off and um, they, they thought I had a bit of talent and I got through the semi-finals. And then they said, um, you yeah, know, we weren't so convinced this time round. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's where my um, reality TV experience ended. But I guess that was um, probably the, the precipice of, um, of a crash. Justin Gange has had a lifelong struggle with mental illness. This eventually led to a suicide attempt and then a miraculous intervention by God. We'll hear his story next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.